Treating seed this spring? AGI Storm FX brings you the ultimate innovation in seed treating for your modern-day farming operation, offering you speed, accuracy, and flexibility. With a simplified design, gentle handling, and precise performance, you can choose to pre-treat or treat your seed just in time. This season, choose the AGI Storm FX Seed Treater to keep you on schedule and ahead of the curve. Visit aggrowth.com for more information or to find your nearest dealer. Hi, I'm Caitlin Dubin, and this is the Rural Woman Podcast. I'm a first-generation farmer who married into agriculture. Born and raised in a city, I was so unfamiliar with where my food came from, but I was determined to figure it out. Through my journey into agriculture, I saw women who were strong, but humble, often taking a back seat. To me, these women were leaders who deserved a seat at the table. I created the Rural Woman Podcast to share the voices of women in an industry whose stories often went untold. The rural entrepreneurs who live and breathe their work, full of grit and pride. We come here to share our stories, to be in community with each other, to be challenged and inspired, but most importantly, to be celebrated and to be heard. We may not all live, farm, ranch, or homestead the same, but we are all connected. We are rural women, and our stories are worthy of being told. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. This week, you'll meet Allison Weaver. Allison is a grain farmer, storyteller, and a speaker. She is a wife, mom, grandma, mentor, and an avid horseback rider with a passion for community and connections. Allison is involved in every aspect of the farm from investment decisions, assessing land, sustainability protocols, to operating machinery, and cooking delicious meals. She is an active member of the 4-H Expo Committee at the Lloydminster Exhibition and has been a 4-H leader for over 15 years. Allison recently created Navigate, a planner for women living a rural lifestyle. The hope for Navigate is to be a tool to help bring calm where balance can be a myth. She wanted to create a book that had scheduling, journaling, record keeping, and self-care all in one. You may remember hearing about Navigate earlier this year on the Rural Woman podcast, and I have to say it is a favorite tool of mine here on the farm. Allison did such a great job in creating such a useful tool. Before we get to Allison's interview, let's go over this week's listener review. This week's five-star rating and review from Leftfield Farm Girl is titled Fantastic. I look forward to every episode coming out. This is such a great podcast for inspiration, but also for general education. What could be more important than where our food comes from and the women who make it all happen? Bravo. Well, thank you so much for this kind rating and review. My friends, like I say every week, I would love it if I saw your kind words up on my screen for the next episode to share with everyone. So if you would be so kind to take the time to leave a review, I'll be happy to share it. I also wanted to remind you that we have our 
podcast listener survey live, which you can find in the show notes of today's episode. We use your feedback for future episodes of the show and love hearing from you. So be sure to scroll down on your show notes or head on over to wildrosefarmer.com and take our listener survey. Without further ado, my friends, let's get to this week's episode with Allison. Allison, thank you so much for joining me on the Rural Women podcast today. How are you doing? I am really great today, Caitlin. How are you doing? I am doing very well. I am very excited to be sitting down and chatting with what I feel like is my girlfriend over a cup of coffee. So <laughs> I'm excited too. It's been long winter days, so it's just really great to connect and have a great conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So Allison, for the folks who are unfamiliar with you, tell us a bit about yourself and how you got your start in agriculture. Well, Caitlin, I am a farmer in Lloydminster, Alberta, Saskatchewan. So that's right, the only border city in Canada. We are grain farmers and I have been living on a farm since the day I was born and I've always wanted to be on a farm and stay on a farm. And I had the pleasure of uh, finding my husband in university as we were taking agriculture together. And from there, as lots say, it's history, but it's been a wonderful journey. We've had farming together, learning together, raising our children on this farm. And now our children are all launched and some of them are farming with us. So now I have the pleasure to dibble dabble in uh, a few other things. And that thing is reaching out to women and sharing our stories so we can support each other and help each other in this crazy world of that we live in right now. The crazy world of agriculture, rural living, as we all try to find our space and our place and where we want to be. Yeah. So this is a throwback question, but bring me back to the time where you were leaving your home farm and jumping into farming now with your husband and growing something of yourself together. Do you remember what that journey was like and the feelings that you had? Oh, I so remember it in so many ways. I see stories in full color, Caitlin. So when I tell a story, I always have all this background that goes with it. But I grew up in Southern Saskatchewan. And when I left the farm and to go to university in 1984, we we're in extreme drought conditions. Saskatchewan was not the province you wanted to be living in. And literally everybody who I went to school with or had been going to school with wanted to get out of Saskatchewan and try to get to Alberta. So I went to university and met the guy who farmed on the Alberta side of the border in Lloydminster. So there's the first step. We get into Alberta and I have the pleasure of driving up in a beautiful May day to meet his his parents and his farm. And it was, it rained in Lloydminster. There was no drought up here like we had down South. And honestly, and it was an oasis. When I drove up here, I truly felt I was driving into this beautiful green oasis. And I thought I could set my roots down here. I could definitely spend the rest of my life here. I didn't tell Garnet that for a long time because we were, we'd only been dating for a month and a half or something. So I was going to be careful about that. But that's, that's what I remember. And I remember my parents when they did meet Garnet and we were going to farm so excited because my dad and mom always knew I wanted to farm. But living down south where it was dry for so long, they were just anxious about any of their children staying on that farm and dealing 
with all of that. So, and uh, I might be reading into that. My mom probably will correct me down the road, but that's how I pictured it. And so it was, it was lovely. And I was excited. We were in our twenties and there was nothing to get us down. We were about to take it all on and, and chase it. It was really good. That's great. I always find it interesting when farmers go from one farm to another and joining essentially families and starting their own family. And, you know, I, I have never met farmers or farm families that two farms run the same. And I don't know, it doesn't matter even how close they are in proximity to one another. So things do change when you cross the road, but it's good to see. And those are happy memories to have of how excited you were. And I think the stress that your parents felt about the next generation taking over the farm are those stresses that you now have faced yourself? Oh, definitely. So we've gone from not worrying so much about drought, um, which we have dealt with in Lloydminster, but now we are transitioning, working on that with our children who are going to deal with way different things than we did. And I mean, right, we can just go, first of all, the cost of what it costs to farm now where it costs to step in, where it costs to buy land, where it costs to buy machinery. Every once in a while I say to our kids who are farming with us, you know, if it hits a day and you go, you know what? I don't think I can do this anymore because of the price tag. We'd support you 100% because I would totally understand that. I don't know if I was 29 years old, want to step in and pay what you have to pay for land these days. And, but maybe when you're 29, you're far more resilient too. And you don't worry about it quite so much as when you're getting closer to 60 than 50 anymore. Yeah, I really think it depends on kind of what stage of life you are, what experiences you've probably had growing up on your home farm, if things went relatively smooth or if things kind of, for lack of a better word, went to hell in a handbasket year <laughs> after year, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, building up that resilience, sometimes it can be exhausting to think about, well, how am I going to do this for the rest of my life and incorporate it? So, Allison, you've done a lot of work with 4-H throughout your entire career. Can you tell us when you started your 4-H journey? Yes, I can. I was nine years old when I started my 4-H journey. Back then it was called a peewee member and you were allowed to be a peewee. And I started in our local little club called Long Lakedon Malty. It's actually the longest running, continuing running 4-H club in Canada. And I was welcomed there with open arms. I was your typical, I was not your typical girl. Let's put it that way. I didn't want to take home craft. I didn't want to take anything to do with sewing or anything like that. I wanted to be in beef and I wanted to do horse and I really wanted to take welding. But that's when my dad told me I had too many things on my plate and my hair was too long and you're not going to do welding. If you want to weld, I'll teach you how to weld. But anyway, so I went into beef. There was myself and a couple of other girls in the beef project and then lots of, lots of girls in the multi multi side of it all. And from there, I was able to, I felt like the world was mine when I was in 4-H. I was, I got to go on 4-H trips and I got to be part of a wonderful 4-H camp called Camp Rainer. And really that's where I met my lifelong friends and my best friend we met, she was from Lloydminster, Saskatchewan, and I was from Craven, Saskatchewan. And we met at provincial camp. We wrote letters to each other every week, decided which week we'd go to camp again. And 
are the best of friends. We've raised our kids together. We've done everything together. And so 4-H to me, I would love every young person in Canada to be in 4-H. If you live in town, if you live in a city, if you live on a farm, just to give you those roots on how to be a community member and how to get back to your community, to use your head, your heart, your health, and your hands to make yeah, a stronger person out of yourself and share that with the wider community. I bleed green, Caitlin. I could go on and on about 4-H for <laughs> hours and hours and hours. I love it when people share their 4-H experience with me because I myself, not in 4-H, didn't know anything about it gr- growing up in town um, and being surrounded by so many farms and farmers, but literally knew nothing about it. And it is my mission in life to find somebody who is going to start like the adult version of 4-H for the folks who came into agriculture late in life. Uh, and we can all just like come together and like show our animals and have a glass of wine or whatever it is, like adult 4-H, but nobody's taking me up on that. Maybe you will. <laughs> I might do that. Okay. That sounds like a great thing. Yeah. <laughs> I think it sounds like so much fun, but you've obviously transitioned from your time as a peewee now to a leader. So talk to us about what you do for the 4-H community now. Alrighty. What we did was, uh, it's coming up 20 years ago, we started a club a local club here for started for members who maybe weren't from livestock farms, didn't have access to livestock. We wanted to start something that, so we did small engines, outdoors, photography, and then slowly livestock projects have come into it. But we had so many livestock clubs around us that we just really wanted to make sure there was an avenue for the kids who didn't have livestock. And sometimes they're not as interested in it. Our, our boys didn't want to show cows, but they sure wanted to be in 4-H. So, and my husband, he created projects. Like we were known as a pretty far out there 4-H club. Like we had pro- things that fly. So they figured out how to build rockets and trebuchets and all these cool things. But what we did with that for the kids, what I really wanted to support them with was how to do public speaking skills. So the kids had to speak at every meeting about what they did at their last project meeting and what they built and how they did it. And we really worked on the public speaking part of it. And we still do. It's still a strong part of Durness. And we also took away the competition. At our Achievement Day, it was all done on demonstrations. There was not a ribbon to be found at our Achievement Day. And all kids had to demonstrate. Every member had to stand up and speak at Achievement Day and share what they did. And then we just had a great big party and a lot of fun. Because I feel there's so much competition in this world and there's tons of competition in 4-H. Don't get me wrong. There's lots of it if you want it. But I think there's a place where we don't always have to have it, where kids can share what they learn. And I look now, one of those, a few of all of our members, actually, I have to say, I'm proud of every single one of them. And I could list off out of all the Durness members, I think I could just tell you where they are. We've got nurses, we've got NHL hockey players, we've got veterinarians, we have teachers, we have farmers, we've got construction workers, you name it. We have just an amazing group of young people that have come out of our 4-H club. And at any time, I know I could ask them to stand up still today and do a little talk about their life and they would be able to do that. That is so great. And I think the public speaking thing is so important 
And I look back now at my public speaking career. I had to take a long look back at that the other day. And I can remember like the grade seven speech competition and all of these things, right? And it's funny that you talk about the speaking aspect being such a big part of your club. The reason that my husband did not join 4-H was because of the public speaking and he was terrified of it. But Again, you know, it would probably be really great skills for him to have now. So looking back, maybe that's a a little glimmer of (laughs) why we see the way that Mr. Wild Rose Farmer is today. So (laughs) That's right. Oh, definitely. So you obviously have taken on a lot of leadership roles and have education in leadership when it comes to business. What do you think it takes to be a leader in agriculture? Well, first of all, to be a leader in agriculture, you got to be willing and listening and learning what everybody does in agriculture. There's so many different facets of agriculture. And I have to say in the last two years, I've even learned more about agriculture. And that is the joy of social media as you get to connect with, with more people. But to be a leader in agriculture, I think we need to be ready to listen and to learn what everybody does and respect what everybody does on their farm, ranch, whatever their area of agriculture is. Because I think sometimes we get a little hung up on organic, not organic. Pigs raised in a barn, pigs raised outside. Like everything is done for a reason. And I truly believe farmers and ranchers do the best they possibly can to sustain the land they need and the area they need to provide and feed the world. And the more we listen to each other, the more we're going to learn and the better leaders we'll be because we'll know more rather than just just hanging out in our one little group. Like we're, we're a grain farm with a handful of cattle is what we do here. But when I got to learn about how cranberries were growing and I've learned about how different chicken farms and dairy farms, uh, our 4-H club got to do a exchange down into Ontario a few years ago. And we got to learn about the new robotic ways for for dairy milking and, and all of that sort of thing. And I worked on a dairy farm in New Zealand when I was 19. So it really intrigues me as we learn more about that. But to be a leader, you need to be, to, to lead, you need to be able to listen is what you have to do and be able to absorb and, and learn and be respectful to what everybody does and how they do it. Yeah, listen, learn, and respect. And I think that is the message that I don't know if there's enough of us sharing that and sharing those words and looking at leadership in that way. And as a person who didn't grow up this way, I've come in with the curiosity, I think, to learn all of these different things because I didn't know any of them. And I have been really lucky to connect with people like yourself and other people through social media or through Uh, community events and groups and all of these things. And the thing that I love about agriculture the most is most people and their willingness to share with you. And I think the power is in the listening and what you do with that information and how that information you take and how you convey it to others and what you take from that information. Because like you said, there's so many different labels of people doing things in so many different ways. And I truly believe that nobody's doing it wrong. They're doing it 
to the best of their ability, right, of what they can do. And, you know, if they're able to learn something different by listening to somebody else doing it differently from them, like, I just think that that's how we grow. Like, that's how we continue the growth in in our industry. Yes, yes, exactly. It's the same when you're transitioning your children into your business or your farm with you. We have to listen to them because they got great ideas too. And we were there too. We had great ideas. And now we get to listen to their great ideas and we have to re- remember to be willing to be open to them. And and what are we going to lose by trying them? Not anything. Yeah. Yeah. I want to dive in a little bit to the transition process. It's not often that we get to speak to the folks who are the ones transitioning out. We hear a lot of stories from people transitioning in and kind of the struggles that they face and the anxieties that come with it and all of the things. But from your perspective, tell us what transitioning out of this phase looks like for you. Well, we've had some some good talks about this. First of all, Garnet and I both come from a positive transitioning things. When we transitioned from Garnet's parents to us and Garnet's brother and wife, it was all positive. It wasn't done because of anger or people, you know, personality conflicts. And so Garnet's dad had the fortitude one day just to say, you know what, it's time. We got to start thinking about this. And he was only in his early 50s. And I always share this saying, he thought about it, he talked about it. And unfortunately, we lost him just a few years, two years after this transition started. So he was just a young man in his mid fifties. And so for me now on this side, as we talk with our kids, we've put a, we've got kind of a 10 year plan in, in place is what we're doing. And, and that's because of everything from income tax and money and, and also to an age where Garnet and I are hoping that we still always want to be involved in the farm, but we're hoping then over the 10 year time, it'll just swap and we'll be working for the kids and the kids can make all the big decisions and we can have more freedoms, of course, to maybe travel more or maybe follow our grandchildren around to everything they're doing and and that sort of thing. So uh, for us, it's a positive. We love the fact and we hope, God willing, that we get to have that that full 10 years to, to do the transition because we feel in that 10 years, it also... Uh, gives us time to help our kids who will take over to create what they want to create with our backing and and our support for that. Does that kind of make sense, Kaylin? Absolutely. Yeah. I think from the talks and the seminars and all of the things that I have sat and listened through, the number one piece of advice that really any transition specialist gives is to be open and to listen and to speak and say what it is that you're thinking and feeling because I think there's so many times that people go into these meetings and thinking that it's going to be awkward or uncomfortable. And in the sense, I think it always is going to be a little bit, but, you know, having that positive feedback and saying like, this is what I've kind of expect. What are your thoughts? And just being really open and over communicate. I think is probably <laughs> what I hear the most. And as you can tell the way I, yeah, the way I talk, my kids probably get tired because I say just share what you're yeah. thinking. Tell us what you want. And 
and our like we have so we have four children so we have our oldest is our daughter and and she's married with three little boys and she's a school teacher but lives for agriculture her husband's a agriculture mechanic and he farms with his family and then our son next son he farms with us and then our our next son is well actually our next son is our adopted son john gets used to me saying this he came to us when he was 16 and he was a city boy who we have now turned into a agriculture guy he's and he's working in the banking system and then our youngest son is in vancouver and he's an actor and gone back to school to take his criminology degree so we have every when you go to a transition meeting we got it all we've got you know a daughter who's married and we got it all so i have we just say to the kids share with us what you want and our youngest son has said i don't want a farm and he goes really i don't it doesn't even matter to me if i have any of the farm that's not i just want the farm to keep farming he said you know that's what and our daughter and her husband are busy sorting out exactly how they see their future and and we're here to support them and and when they get those decisions made and and you don't want to rush that either and then and our adopted son we've had long conversations with him too about where he sees it and then levi the guy who's farming with us he said well i'm here i want to do this this is what i want to do and and i look forward to giving him even more responsibility it'll be great exactly take it all <laughs> yeah here we go we do love it though you know garnet and i god like i said god willing with our health and everything we'll stay and be here to help him as long as he'll as you know we're allowed to with with our health and all of that we love the farm i i hope the house i live in is the house i get to stay in for the the rest of my being yeah that is so great You can help support the stories of women in agriculture to be shared through the Rural Woman podcast on Patreon. What is Patreon? It's a membership-based platform that helps fund and support creators like me to create and produce content like this that you all love. New to the Rural Woman podcast, Patreon is ad-free listening and patron-only bonus content and exclusive episodes. Learn more and join the patron gang today at patreon.com slash the rural woman podcast. Can you share with us, Allison, some of the tasks and duties that you love the most about being a farmer and the seasons and all of those things? Well, well, one of the tasks I actually do love the most is doing the book work. Uh, I'm in charge of paying the bills and Garnet calls me the chief financial officer. And so I do, I do the budgets. I work with the accountant when it's year end. And so I, I do that. I know what it costs to do anything on this farm. And I really enjoy that. I really, really like that point. I, I feel I always have my, my thumb on the pulse of everything that's going on. And I'm a big advocate too, of keeping your book work up. I'm, I'm kind of a taskmaster that way. So it's, uh, it's, I like that. And then my next jobs are, I'm a logistics person. So when it's in our busy time, I make, I'm the one who helps to make sure everything gets where it needs to be. I don't drive the air seater and I've told everybody, I don't want to learn how to operate that machine. I'm fine with that, but I can, in the harvest time, I can operate a combine in the grain cart. Uh, we got a new set of Harrows. I don't want to learn how to drive those either. <laughs> because I'm going to take fences out. I can just see it. But I'm a logistics person and I'm also the cook. 
And I love cooking. I love feeding the crews at harvest time. And they love seeing me come. Maybe that's the part of it I like. I don't know. But I, I'm quite willing and happy to say I love cooking. And I don't find it a lowering of a standard because I cook for everybody. I really like it. I don't change oil in vehicles. My husband takes care of that. And I take care of the cooking. And uh, so those are, and otherwise tasks, I keep, we have a very large yard. So I'm, I cut the grass and we keep close care of that and fencing. And now we have a few cows. So we just, we calve in May. So while the guys are out in the field seeding, my daughter and I are watching the cows and try to wrangle calves to tag them. Sometimes I got to wait for Levi. We got to wait for Levi to get back to help us depending on the cow. <laughs> but anyway, that's, that's some of my tasks I do. Just a lot of hats that you wear. Yeah, I do wear a few hats and I kind of like it that way. I think it keeps it interesting, not having to do the same thing day in and day out. And I think you might need to teach like a seminar about how to keep up with book work. I think there's probably a few people listening that are maybe a little bit behind, including the person you're talking to. <laughs> <laughs> well... That I, I could do that. Yeah. We'll do that on another day. We'll do that on another day. <laughs> so I'm curious to know what is some advice that you have for young women looking to get into the agriculture industry? And this is kind of a two-part thing, whether they're coming into the workforce, as in they've already been in agriculture or they're just looking to become a part of the ag workforce or they're coming in through partnership, whether that's marriage or what have you. Okay. Well, first of all, do it. I want to say to young women, do not be scared to step your foot into the colleges of agriculture. They offer so many great programs. So anywhere from degrees to diplomas to certificates. And there is a place for everybody in this world in, in agriculture. And I think it's a quiet, unsung hero, the, the field of agriculture. Because living, especially in Western Canada, we it used to be pumped so much to get into oil and gas. That's where all the high paying jobs are. That's where you're going to make the money. And people forget about agriculture. And I said, we might not start out as high a paying job as you would if you were in an engineer, in an engineering type job. But the joy of being in agriculture, it's not very often you get laid off in agriculture. We're long-term people in agriculture. We do things, we're generational, we're long-term, and we love to keep people around. So I have so many friends and acquaintances that are in their 30th to 35th year of working in the field of agriculture that I'd say chase it and go after it. Because how much, what better is the feeling than knowing that you're helping to create food and support the food industry to feed the entire world. And if we look at how much food is being produced and where it's being produced, there's not that much land anymore in the whole world that's producing it. So I'd say chase it and go after it. Now, if you're coming into it in a partnership of some kind, I say, remember who you are, put your boundaries up so that you're respected for everything that you bring. If it doesn't matter if you came from a farm or you didn't come from a farm, you have talents. And sometimes I think you don't even know your talents yet till you've stepped your foot into it. But you have lots of talents and be proud of that. And have lots of communication if you're coming in with a partner, with that partner, of where they see you. Make sure the two of you have talked about that together. 
because, and if you've come from another farm, you need to be really careful to not use the term, well, that's how we did it on our farm. It's like anything you're part of, that's how we used to do it. Let, you know, I would like to remove those statements because first of all, hopefully you create your new, this is how we are going to do it, but you also have to see how it had happened. I can use our, our two farms, two totally different worlds of farming, two different kinds, like the, the soil was different. Everything was different. The production levels were different. So I came up here learning so much. Now, when I talked about discers, they've never really used a disker to seed anything up here. So we also shared what we, we knew about each other's farms. So against, again, you know, it's to listen and be respectful but I do like to tell women that you still are you and make sure you stay you, your unique self. Your, your, that's so important to keep yourself and remember who you are. Don't lose that to become this, this something you think you need to be to be that partner on that farm. Yeah. I think that's even good advice for the people who have been at it for a little while. Yeah, it is. <laughs> remember who you are and how you came here. And I also think it's really neat to, you know, once you have kind of gone through a couple seasons and you're kind of figuring out what's going on, to see how far you've come. And I think that's always really important for people to go back and reflect on where you started and how far you've come. Because sometimes I think we're really guilty at discrediting how much we've actually accomplished and how much we've learned, especially if this was completely out of your wheelhouse. Yes, Totally. Totally. Yes. So one of the other hats that you wear, Allison, in that off farming season is an entrepreneur. Yeah. So share more about that and tell us what you're doing when you are not farming. Well, sometimes I have a tough time figuring out those lines of when I'm not farming and when I am farming. And I think <laughs> I carry it all with me what I do. So in the last few years, I have headed off into the motivational speaking and creating a day planner. I'm not sure how those all those two things came together, but they did, Caitlin. And so as the little story goes, a few years ago, I was in the garden wishing I had a garden map, wish I had a garden book. And from there, I shared it with my daughter. And I said, you know, and I can't find a day planner. And I'm a day planner person, have been my entire life. And I said, I need a a planner that would really work for us on the farm. And Amanda being a teacher said, mom, you just shoot me what you want and I'll help create your planner for you. Well, little did Amanda know that I would draw pictures on loose leaf pieces of paper, take pictures of it, send it to her so she could create it. And I kind of got excited about it all and decided, why don't, why don't we really make this into a really nice book? Why don't we do this? Because if I'm a woman on the farm, wanting something like this, there's got to be other women out there who are wanting something like this. And sure, and behold, well, kind of gone off like crazy, which is really, really awesome. And with that, it's it's helped my motivational speaking because it, it provides me, uh, allows me to share tools that the planner shares, shows that you can use to make your life a little easier, to help bring some calm, to a world where balance is really quite a myth because, you know, we can joke around about work-life balance on the farm, but the farm is the life. 
and the work is the farm. So we have to figure out how to find that balance in between all of that and find little blips during the day to find balance. And so from there, we've I've created Navigate, and I've had the joy of being invited, uh, like on your podcast. I've been able to speak at Agribition. I've been able to share things about it and about my life, which I call the marathon, marathon of life on the farm. Share the stories of the farm, and I'm hoping my stories will help other women know that there's things are normal. You know what? You hook onto it a mile and a half of electric fence and you pull it with the header of the combine till someone yells at you to stop and you got a baby crying on your lap and all these things are going on. And at the end of the day, you know what? It's okay and you are enough. And those are the stories I want to share when I'm, I'm speaking to everybody because we all have a mile and a half of fence falling behind us somewhere and we just need to learn when to take out the wire cutters and cut it and say, screw that. And let's carry on and, and see what we can do next. I love that. I see a line of hand tools in your future for the Navigate brand of the wire cutters. <laughs> but I think it's so true. And I think we can get so caught up in the thought of, are we doing enough? Are we a good enough farmer? Are we a good enough mom? Are we a good enough steward to the land? All of these things. And we get in our comparison game and whether that's for your neighbor across the road or for the person, you know, who's on the other side of the world that looks like they have it all together because their Instagram squares are pretty. Yeah. Right. It's that comparison that really, I think, brings us back to questioning if we are enough or not. And I have so much respect for people who see a need for something and they go and do it. The need of having a tool for women like us who don't necessarily have tools built for us. We have to accommodate. We have to, you know, pivot to find something and make it work for us. But you've gone ahead and built something for us, which which I think is kind of special, makes me feel special anyways. Oh, thank you, Caitlin. And it's fun because I love to meet people. I want to hear their stories. So that's where social media has been a godsend to me for the last two years because I love meeting people. I'm the person who likes a room full of people. I want to meet them. I want to know your story. I want to know who your grandpa was, your grandma was. I want to know where you're from. And what you did when you were 10 years old. That's just the person I am. So I really want to hear everybody's stories. And in the last two years, we haven't been able to share those stories and have that interaction like we should. So it it has me very concerned about our rural uh, people, our farm people, as we come out of this. Because if we can't connect and we can't see eye to eye sometimes, we just can't always check in on our friends and make sure they're doing okay. And so part of the reason for this book is I wanted people to be able to check in with themselves and make sure they were okay. So why at the end of each month, I've got the check-in for you. Take a look at it. I, I have the thoughts of the week and it's okay to put down, this week was tough. This week is week number 102 of COVID and I have not got to see my mom and dad for this long or I haven't seen my best friend or my kids are in university somewhere and they're in a room somewhere. They can't, they're online 
and they're not even seeing people. And I, because I think if we can share that out loud or if you can write it down, it takes the anxiety out of our brain and it allows us to breathe and be present and then give us the strength to, to move on and carry on. And so hence why when I did my little Saskatchewan tour in October, it was so good to see people. And you know, farmers are farmers. I just love it. When I hit a farm and they're like, welcome. And you're a person like, you know, it's just so great. Like, it's just so fun. And speaking of agribition, I got to speak to a group, a young, energetic agronomy, agronomist, farmers, you name it. And that energy in that room to be able to, first of all, be live and talk live to people was exciting. But that group of, they're ready to take on the world. And I'm just like, awesome. I'm going to, I'm going to help you however I can. Like, just let's go chase it. Let's do it. The energy that people have, I think, in 2022, when they are actually able to be with one another, is contagious. And that, I think, is nice to see. As a, I always, I tell my husband that we're like professional conference goers in the winter. We always, you know, that's when we got to go see people. That's when we got to go like connect with uh, people at conferences and in person. And I think we really we took it for granted of being able to be in a room of people that understand your life, that understand the struggles that you go through, the wins that you go through. And to have that little bit of normalcy back, I think is really great. One thing I hope though, is that the online aspects of conferences don't go away. And I I can hear people's eyes rolling and sighing right now because they're like, if I have to sit through one more Zoom meeting, if I have to do whatever. But what a gift that we've had to be able to connect online, right? Like if this was however many years ago and something like this happened in the world, we would be very alone, Right. It'd be very scary. Yeah. You know, and, and we wouldn't have had the pleasure of the connection with Jan and Aaron at Trailblazer. Me getting to to meet you. Kelly and Tara have got their inspiring women's conference coming up this week and they've brought on an online feature. So you can go in person, you can watch it online, which I'm excited about. It means somebody in southern Alberta could come online and, and be a part of this conference. So because we do live in a country that's kind of huge and it's not easy to always fly across our country to get to conferences or even drive 10 hours or six hours. So no, I hope we can keep the blend of both. I hope, I hope that'll really stay happening. Yeah, me too. So Allison, what are the future plans for the Navigate brand? Well, it's, it's going to keep going. First of all, I can tell that a few people said to me, so is, is this just a one-time deal? I said, oh, heavens, we're just getting into it. I said, uh, yeah, so already, believe it or not, Navigate 2023 is in the works. That has been my biggest learning curve is that it takes a little time to put this book together. And so we're already working on that. So that's very exciting. And I hope to do, I hope I can keep doing more uh, speaking and workshops with, I was going to say women, but it doesn't have to be women with people living in a rural lifestyle, farmers, homesteaders, acreage livers, acreage people, all, all of us who live out in the rural areas. I, I'm really looking forward to sharing more of more of my story. I've gotten brave and I'm going to be at a couple of trade shows 
to show the book. So that's great because I've learned I have to I have to get it out there a little bit more. So that's really great. So that's part of what's happening. And but I will be always protecting my time. So when May comes along, we'll be seeding and I'll be working in a garden and always having time for my grandsons. And I know it sounds like I always say always having time for a lot of things, but horseback riding is something that's very near and dear to me. And so I always block time for that. So that's a little bit that'll be happening. But for Navigate, there could be a few interesting things in the in the works coming down the pipe here in this next six months. So everybody will just have to stay tuned to see some of that. Not a lot of changes to the book, but there will be some new additions that I think people are going to really, really like for 2023. That is so great. And we will we will have to keep in touch and you'll you'll have to come back on here and tell us all about those things when we're allowed to know. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Allison, my last question for you is, what is the most rewarding part about being a rural woman for you? Well, to be honest, Caitlin, the most rewarding part of being a rural woman is that I truly believe I was born to be a rural woman. And I can never say how much I love it. Oh, dear. Might get a little emotional here on us, Caitlin. Anyway, it's I can't think anything better in the entire world to be for me, myself, than to be a rural woman. The peace that I feel when I stand on the land makes me thankful for who I am every single day. It's uh, I'm just going to take a deep breath here for a second. Caitlin, I don't get emotional on podcasts. <laughs> Good grief. I think it's all this, it's all this silly uh, COVID stuff. <laughs> but anyway, what I love, what I just, I honestly do, I truly feel blessed. You know, I was raised by two parents who loved being on the farm, who taught me that it's okay to take your shoes off and walk barefoot in the garden, taught me that a bouquet of wild roses is as beautiful as something bought in the store, taught me that there's a cycle to life. And we firsthand, when we live a rural living, see it, understand it. And I think for that, we cherish our time more than a lot of people might. Yeah. That's what I'd have to share. Those are all so good. I missed you over here now. So good job. (laughs) (laughs) Allison, it has been so wonderful sitting down and chatting with you today. For the listeners who would like to connect with you after the show, where can they find you online? Well, they can find me, first of all, on Facebook, Allison Weaver, Her Story. They can find me on Instagram, Allison Weaver, Her Story. Or you can come find me on my website, allisonweaver.com. Send me a note. Give me a call. I'd love to hear everybody's story. I love nothing more than connecting in the world with with people all over. So great. And I will link all of those in the show notes, including the link to navigate and people can get their hands on that. Hopefully early enough in 2022. If not, we're waiting for 2023 here. We're excited. (laughs) Thank you again so much for sharing your story with me today. I truly appreciate it. Thanks, Caitlin. It's been a great time. Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast, a proud member of the Positively Farming Media Podcast Network. 
The Rural Woman Podcast is more than just a podcast. We are a community. A huge thank you to the Rural Woman Podcast team, audio editor Max Hofer, and admin support from Kim and Co. Online. A special thanks to our Patreon executive producers, Sarah Reedner from Happiness by the Acre and Carrie Munven from Laystone Farms. To learn how you can become a Patreon executive producer or other ways to financially support the show, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to learn more. Be sure to hit the follow or subscribe button wherever you listen to the podcast to get the latest episodes directly on your playlist. And if you are loving the show, please be sure to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that accepts ratings and reviews. You can connect with us on social media at The Rural Woman Podcast and with me at Wild Rose Farmer. One of the best ways you can support the show is by sharing it. Send this episode to a friend or share on your social media. Let's strengthen and amplify the voices of women in agriculture together. Until next time, my friend, keep sharing your story. Did you know that you can get this same great episode of the Rural Woman podcast ad-free? I get it. Listening to ads during a podcast isn't always my favorite either. But in order to keep the lights and coffee pot on here at the Rural Woman podcast studios, they are necessary. I am so grateful to each and every one of my sponsors, but if you yourself would like to skip the ads while supporting the show, consider joining me over on Patreon. Patrons of the Rural Woman podcast get ad-free episodes starting at tier five on their podcast player of choice each week, plus some other great benefits. Find out more by heading to the link in today's show notes to learn how you can become a patron through Patreon.